Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone and welcome to Battles. I'm your host Marlon Anderson. This is a podcast all about journeys and overcoming adversity. I truly believe that every battle we face makes us stronger. And I want to hear from other people who believe that too. In this series, I'll speak to everyone from actors and entertainers, to motivational speakers, life coaches and beyond. From those in the limelight to those of extraordinary stories that haven't been heard, all journeys are important. We'll hear about battles they have overcome and battles they are still fighting, learning how we get through them and asking how they can make us who we are today. We'll also be finding out our guests' battle cry, their mantra to get them through the dark days. Battles is a podcast for everyone because everyone has battles to face. I hope you find lots of help and advice in these episodes and feel strong knowing that you can get through it too. Today's episode is a chat with Danae Mercer. For those of you who don't know Danae, she's a freelance health and travel journalist, media consultant, content creator, public speaker and self-love activist. Her writing focuses on health and travel and previously she's worked as editor-in-chief of Women's Health Middle East and Men's Health Middle East. Before we start, I do want to let you know that this episode contains references throughout to eating disorders. If you've been affected by this issue in the past, then please listen on with caution or skip this episode and listen to one of our other episodes. I've put links to places where you can get support in the episode description, so please reach out if you've been affected. A massive thanks to Danae for giving up her time to chat with me. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Hey everybody, joining me today, I have the queen of body confidence, Danae Mercer. Danae, thank you so much for joining me today on my podcast. Your feed and Instagram is super inspiring. Thank you so much for having me. I am really, really excited to be here. How are you? How has your day been? Where in the world are you? I am, I'm in Europe right now and my day has been very cold. It is freezing. <laughs> oh no. You've come from the sun, right? Because you're based in Dubai. I'm based in Dubai, yeah. And the, the weather right now there is just beautiful and bikinis and sunshine. So it's a little different to be in 30 different layers. Oh no, but I'm sure you'll be back there soon in the sunshine. Now, I'm super excited to have you on because you are what today's society needs. You are so inspiring with what you do and what you post and the younger generation need more of you. And I understand that you're a health and travel journalist also, as well as creating content. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I um, I guess that would be my professional background is as a as a journalist. And I've I've been in media and journalism for over 10 years now, wow. which feels crazy to say. Amazing. So I'm interviewing today on your self-acceptance journey or your journey to self-love and your activism behind it. So 
so cast your mind way back. Where, where did it all begin with your with your kind of your drive to inspire others with with your body confidence? Sure. Well, I guess a lot of what I talk about today and a lot of the things that are on my mind, they I mean, they go back to I mean, I, I had a, a really bad eating disorder when I was 19 that sort of took off after my mom died. And for a couple of years, I was I was pretty sick. And it's taken, you know, I'm, I'm now 33, turning 34 in just a few days. And it's taken, oh. taken a long time to to start to feel more comfortable and confident in my skin. And so that like that whole journey is part of the stuff I talk about and the struggle and just kind of finding, I guess, finding more of, of my voice and all of that. Amazing. Honestly, I'm in awe. So I'm so sorry to hear your mom passed away. I mean, the word, I don't have any words for it because I completely understand how you feel. Like the, the grief behind losing a parent, a loved one is like no other. And I've experienced exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And I I went on a journey with my eating disorders when I was younger. I was part of beauty pageants. I was on a quest to be skinny and to look like everybody else. That's how I thought I had to look like. So what what kind of triggered your eating disorder, would you say? Well, it's it's really interesting to hear you talk about a bit of your journey because I I think the thing with eating disorders is they're always so unique in a way, but then quite often we know they're tied to things beyond our bodies. So whether it's, you know, chaos in our external environment, whether it's emotional challenges we're going through and food and our body becomes a way of, of handling those situations. It's, it's a coping mechanism 100%. quite often. So I think for me, I mean, I, I never felt comfortable in my skin. I was never very confident. I was never like, the girl that would walk into the room and be like, you're beautiful, you're stunning. (laughs) Well, bless you, it's very kind of you to say. But but I think ever ever since I was younger, I remember being like 14 years old and and dieting, doing, you know, meal shakes and and going on all the different diets as I went through high school. And I think things got really, really bad when when my mom died because of that external trigger. You know, it was... It was yeah. a means to to feel in control and feel safe and feel that I was doing something right. And of course, at the end of the day, eating disorders are are never really the right answer, but they can be really tricky. A million percent. And when you just said about your your mom being a trigger for that, you used kind of the control for food as a coping mechanism. I think I did exactly the same. So what what kind of diets did did you what did you endure during that kind of dark period? Were you in and out of trying different things? Like talk me through that time, that tough time. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it was it was pretty pretty dark is a good word to say it. Yeah. I I mean, I I started with there were these pills at the time that were on the market that would make fat like flush through your body oh my gosh wait is does it come out in like an oil kind of form yeah in your oh i tried them jeez no (laughs) they're the worst (laughs) it's so so disgusting but at the time it was like so i tried those and then i was like okay well no no fatty foods because fat is bad which feels just insane to say now yeah and then it was okay well no fruit because fruit has sugar and that's bad 
okay, no carbs because carbs are bad. And it, it just became this incredibly restrictive situation where I had very, very few safe foods. And at the time, like Tumblr was really big and there were a lot of pro-Anna communities, uh, pro-eating disorder communities on the internet. And I, you know, I was alone for months really because of, of so many different factors. And so I would just go into these communities that escalated the severe restriction. So my eating disorder started very quickly and it came on very strong. Like within a couple of months, I was losing hair. I was in a lot of pain. I was, you know, all the symptoms of, of being wow. severely malnourished. I mean, when you speak about Proana, I remember coming across a few pages when I was going through like my bulimic stages and I'm actually shocked in hearing that they're, they're still up and, and people still have access to it. I think that's crazy, right? Yeah, it's it's really dangerous and they they're happening on TikTok at the moment. No way. Are you yeah. serious? Yeah, it's it's incredibly wow. upsetting. Like there was a trend just recently where girls were using a certain sound, a certain song, and the whole the whole joke was their mom was asking, "Oh, you know, have you eaten today?" and the girl goes, "Yes." But then she turns to the camera and she winks. And the in joke oh is, is gosh. no, I've not eaten today. And that's like, that's the, hey, we're part of this club and isn't this cool. So it's, that is one of the more, way more toxic sides of the internet. And it can really fuel illnesses, I think. A million percent. And this is why we need more of you shedding light on real topics like this. But how, how do you feel that social media affects the younger generation now with eating disorders? What's the, what do you feel like the correlation is between the both? Uh, yeah, I think I think it's tricky. I I don't think social media is good or bad, but I do think, especially during COVID, we've seen a rise in the usage of social media, yeah. and we've seen a rise in mental health disorders, body image issues, body confidence issues. And when we look at the younger generations, there there is there's stuff like this, like the pro Anna undercurrents on platforms like TikTok that. Yeah. Parents don't even know to look for that. Like you don't know to search for that. You don't know that it's happening. And that that is a really dangerous space. So I I think, you know, the the opposite of that would be creating safe spaces for for young girls to express their concerns or to talk about body image issues where they feel safe and not judged. And that can happen on social media too, but it's 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 a very difficult one very difficult definitely it's, it's so difficult to cover but going back to your, your own personal journey where where was it when you thought you know this isn't right I have to change something now w what was your mental health like whilst you were kind of going through your eating disorder yeah I eating disorders are weird because at least for me I I always thought I was in control I was like well I can I can stop this at any point like yeah. I'm fine I can and then even when I realized, okay, things have gotten a little out of hand, I still thought, well, but I can fix this myself. Like I am, I am, you know, strong. I've got this. It's, it's nothing. It's just, it's just eating food. But of course that is, that is a really vicious lie. And there's a reason why eating disorders are the, the deadliest mental illness. You know, it's, it's a, it's really tricky and it's really dangerous. 
And for me, when I sort of had that aha moment of, okay, I can't fix this myself. I need professional help. Yeah. It was when I basically I education has has always been very important to me. It's it's always been kind of a way into something better and 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 to change my life and you know all of that. So I had a meeting for a scholarship and I remember I was really really sick at the time. We had been on Christmas break and we were back at campus. And it was the first time that a lot of these professors had seen me in over a month. And my my weight over the holidays had just just plummeted. Like I was a you know like a walking skeleton. I because I sort of just stopped eating. Yeah. And I remember walking into that meeting and just seeing on their faces this look of of kind of horror mixed with concern as they saw me, as they saw what I was doing, what the eating disorder was doing to me. And I, I knew in that instant that I almost lost the scholarship. I was about to lose it, not, not because I wasn't capable, but because I was so ill and they were, they were concerned. They wanted not to put any more pressure on me. They, they wanted to keep me safe. Mm-hmm. And in the end, they, they gave me the scholarship, but they had two of the professors. It was at Creighton University. So two of the professors pulled me aside and were like, Danae, we we need to fix this. We need to fight through this together and we are right here with you. We're gonna help you. We're gonna get you professional help, but you need help. And that's, I think that was my big, okay, yes, I, I, I can't do this by myself. So that's interesting. So that was your light bulb moment, somebody else recognizing and seeing you change physically, you know, and mentally too. 
falling out in clumps and it was really upsetting because I loved, you know, before my mom died, she would play with my hair. And so, oh. <laughs> wow, look, these are emotional questions, aren't they? I know, I know, <laughs> I, I feel you, but it's, it's interesting but, but because it's, things. yeah, no, and it, it, it's, it's certain things like with me, when I think back to when my mom was alive, she loved me doing beauty pageants and stuff but she really pushed me to be in that kind of industry so it was almost like a little bit of the opposite she wanted me to to look good because she never had that herself and she almost triggered an eating disorder within me you know but she didn't know any better than that she she just knew what she knew at the time so I can't blame her for anything but it's weird when you compare different people's journeys and how it started because it's all different everybody is different and so talk me through your journey of recovery because that's that's an interesting one. So somebody else, did did you see what they saw at the time when when your professor said this to you, or did you were you in denial a little bit about it? I think it was a it was kind of this double edged sword where like part of me loved being the thinnest girl in the room. Part of me loved fitting into the smallest sizes and you know hitting those weird success goals that that kind of super thin culture had created. Yeah. But then at the same time, I saw my body and I was like, this isn't, this doesn't look healthy. And my arms were so thin and I was really embarrassed by it. And so I knew, I knew physically, I knew something wasn't right. Yeah. But it's still like, as you know, as, as I'm sure, you know, eating disorders, fighting them, it's so complicated. It's so difficult. It's so difficult because it's, it, it's like you're arguing within yourself. You're like, this isn't healthy. Oh, but it is fine. Oh no, it's not fine. Oh, it is fine. And fortunately, I mean, I'm I'm so thankful that Creighton, my university, they they swung into action. They got me a a nutritionist, a therapist, and a medical professional. And I was able to see all three of those individuals once to twice a week for free for over a year. And it was through them, like through the the three-prong ap- approach of working with someone to get my food on track, working with someone to monitor my blood pressure, my weight, you know, my body signs, make sure I didn't get sicker. And then working with someone to deal with the mental side of why was, why was I controlling food and what was going on in my life? And how did I, how could I fix that while healing my relationship with food? So it was that sort of three prong approach that I think for me, it made all the difference. So what was that journey like? What was the recovery journey like? Was it, I presume it wasn't plain sailing. Did you still have urges throughout to restrict yourself again? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, I knew I, I wanted to get better. So I, it wasn't one of those situations where someone's kind of fighting the recovery constantly and is like, oh no, I want to stay thin. I want to stay thin. I, I wanted to get better and I was like on a mission to get better, but it's still, it was still tricky. Like I remember for my nutritionist, it would be, you know, eat, eat an apple for a snack, which is a very sensible thing. And I would be like, well, I'm just going to eat half an apple for a snack, you know, or. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it was, a, it was a process. Yeah. Or like eat, eat a yogurt with your meal. And I'd be like, no, I'm going to do this 10 calorie jello instead. So it's, uh, it's these silly things that yeah. I look back now. I'm like, why was I fighting it so much? even if I wanted to get better, but it's that, it's that battle of that weird little eating disorder. 
Yeah, definitely. So how long do you think it, it took you to get to the place that you are now? Oh, goodness. Well, look, I was at Creighton for about another year, and they really put so many resources behind getting me better. And that just transformed everything. And then I got this scholarship to Cambridge. And for the first time in, in a long time, I didn't have to worry about a lot of external factors because the scholarship was all, it kind of took care of everything. And I was able to join a sports team. And in the sports team, I saw these women, these incredible, powerful, strong women who viewed their bodies as, as like wonderful tools, you know, like they, they would fuel their bodies because they loved their bodies and they wanted to be stronger. They wanted to be more powerful. And it really helped me changed the way I saw my my body, it changed the way I saw food. And so these things together helped me, I guess, find more of that balance. Yeah, amazing. And, and you're sat here now and I'm interviewing you on, on what you do now, which is an, being an inspiration to everybody. So what, where was the turning point of that? What made you decide to use your platform and what you've gone through to inspire and help other people? Because I think it's such a brave, an amazing thing to share your own personal story with the whole world. Yeah, well, thanks. I guess I I started, I mean, I, I've done Instagram for a long time now, like where I live in the UAE, everyone does Instagram. Social yeah. media is a big thing, as I'm sure you you know. So I, it, it was back in April 2019 when I... I had seen some art by Sarah Shakil. She did this beautiful glitter stretch marks campaign. And I'd actually written about it for, for women's health. And I, I remember it like in kind of another light bulb moment, it changed the way I saw my, my stretch marks where for the very first time I was like, oh, wait a second. Like these, these are kind of beautiful. These are kind of artistic. These are kind of inspiring. And at the same time, I was increasingly feeling like that kind of posed perfection of social media that I, that I was doing, it wasn't me. Like it, it's, it's never really been me, but yeah. I always felt like that's kind of what I had to do. That's what everyone does. It's what I should be doing. And I think those two things together, that, that feeling of disconnect, plus seeing that art and feeling really, really transformed by it in a way. So you were Made, inspired. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. 100%. She, I mean, she's an incredible artist. And so those two things together, I did my very first little like side-by-side picture. And oh. <laughs> How did you feel? Were you nervous? Oh, I was terrified. Yeah. I was so, because I never, you know, I, I always hid my butt, which is so funny to say now, because my like little bum is, is, my friend said to me the other day, she's like, I see your butt more than I see my own butt. <laughs> People say that to me. <laughs> Thank you. You should earn your butt, girl. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But when I when I started, like I was the girl that at the beach, you know, I would sit down to take off my shorts so that no one would see my butt. Wow. Or I would like if I was with a partner, I would try to kind of scooch out of the room or, you know, it's like I would change out of leggings that showed any hint of cellulite because yeah. heaven forbid. So that was that was where I was when I did my very first photo. And it's honestly the the community and the women 
all around the world that have helped me feel stronger. Amazing. I think that's honestly so inspiring. But one thing that really stood out to me was that you said what you were doing prior to to your body confidence on social media was kind of conforming almost and doing what other people were doing. What would you say to the younger generation that feel like they have to be like everybody else? Because you, you're not now. You're doing your own thing and you're leading the way. You're, 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 pay, you're carving a path for people. But it's not as easy. It's easier said than done, right? And I think social media can be, can be a scary place where we feel like we have to look like everybody else on there. So what, what would you say to, to them wanting to yes. change, I guess? Yeah, I mean, you're right that social media is a tricky space and it can be it can be a mean space and it can be an aggressive space and it can be a scary and and sometimes honestly sometimes a really difficult space. So I I think my first thing would be don't feel pressured to talk about something if you're not ready. Don't feel pressured to share something if you yourself aren't feeling strong in that because the very nature of the internet is you have to you have to be ready to, to kind of stand in your belief. And there have been times in my life where if someone threw a bunch of barf emojis at a picture of my cellulite, that would have been really triggering. So I would say first, like, just really look at where you are. But if you're feeling ready to, to be a bit more of yourself, or if you feel that real pull and that real desire, I can't recommend it enough. Because I think, you know, it's, it's like with love, right? Like yeah. love happens when you can sort of sit, you can just sit as who you are and say, this is me, this is me and let someone see that and you form that wonderful connection. And I think that is what the internet has the potential to do is where we can each just sit and say like, this is me. And there are other people saying, oh, hey, that's wonderful. That's like me. And oh, hey, you're not alone. I feel that too. And that's this beautiful community that's it makes it's just the most empowering and wonderful thing. So I'd, I'd recommend it if you're feeling strong. A hundred percent. And I mean, do you do you get trolling? And if you do, how do you deal with it? Because I, I mean, yes, I get trolled. I, I, I just I yeah. block and I delete and I'm like, oh, my God, just get out. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, sometimes it's funny. Like today, someone was just being really vicious about one of my cats. I'm like, why would you what? hate on a, a cat? cat? Why? <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> like, like, wow, calm down. Because it's just a kitty cat. Oh, my god! But, but, I mean, ugh, look, I think the way I've really, really found my balance with trolling is to first to try to understand, like, any attacks that are coming to me, any – if someone is really vicious, like, if they're trying to tear you down or they're sending you a lot of hate – or they're ripping you apart, that person is going to be going through their own struggles. And yes, so, definitely. Yeah, so it's it's okay. They're they're dealing with their own battles. This is their projection. This is their their struggle. But also it, it is, it's setting those boundaries. And if that person is, their sole purpose is to, you know, tear down every single thing that you're doing, just not out of a critique, but out of pure hate, I think every single person on the internet has every right to say, no, I'm not engaging with this. I'm setting my boundary. This is not, this is my safe space. And, and like you said, to block, delete, to create that, that wall. Yeah. A million percent. I mean, do you, do you get triggered by comments about 
your parents if you receive any or are you in a, in a really good place now in terms of like your journey with self-love are you at would you say you're at a place where you fully love yourself or do you ever have moments of doubt and it kind of almost like a blast from from the past kicks in I think I definitely have wobbles and I think yeah. that's very human. Like, hundred percent. I, you know, I, I, I don't wake up every morning like dancing around, wiggling my booty, being <laughs> like, <laughs> like, heck yes, this is you know the best day ever. But I think what I do have now is a real respect for what my body can do and what my mind does, and that that helps me even when the hatred comes and it, and it does, it's part of the internet, but even when it comes, it's sort of creating that boundary, stepping back from it, but also holding on to that respect and saying like, yeah, this person might say this awful thing about me. And maybe there's some days where that stings a little bit more, yeah. but that respect still stays that respect for my body, that respect for my health that stays. I love how real and honest you are. It's so refreshing oh. <laughs> coming from a background of kind of reality tv like five years ago and i remember just seeing everybody with airbrush photos and everyone looking kind of similar and i i honestly thought i had to look like them you know and it's yeah, scary that's... when i think back <laughs> well and i think being on tv is like it's the next level of pressure right because yeah i I do think the more removed you are from your communities, the more people perhaps don't censor themselves or they see you more as a public figure and less as a human. Yeah. And so it's, I can't even imagine the stuff that, that people like you or celebrities have to navigate. That I think that would be so difficult. Definitely. I think I, think I, want, I woke up one day and I was like, forget it. I'm just, this is me. Just as you said, this is me <laughs> and this is who I am. Oh, Danae, right. I need to ask you, what is your battle cry, your mantra to get you through your dark days? So I know we all don't, we don't have good days every single day, but what is something that stuck by you? Maybe a quote or something that really gets you through those days that you, you know, you're not as happy. Whoa. Okay. This is it. I flipping love quotes. Um, I do I as guess, well. <laughs> I guess one would be a treat your body like someone you love, because I think, I think so many of us, like, we say stuff to ourselves that we would never say out loud to anyone else. Yep. So if we could just pull that back and be like, okay, am I speaking to myself like I would a friend? And if not, what can I do to change? I love that idea. That is beautiful. I love that. Honestly, you. you're such an inspiration. Oh, gosh. <laughs> is, is there anything new in the pipeline coming up? Is there anything that you're working on? Have you got a book out? I am, that is something I'm working I on. I knew actually. it, I could so. feel it in my bones. I was like, girl, you need a book on you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. So yeah, that will be coming up. Um, I guess right now I just have 30 days of affirmations that comes into people's inbox over the holidays to make them feel a little bit better. Affirmations and are powerful, super powerful. I love, I, so this is what I mean. I love quotes. They like <laughs> just can just put one on the mirror every morning and you feel good. Um, and then all that is just just in my Instagram on a link. Amazing. So we're going to link that for you. I want to say thank you so much for joining me today. Everybody needs to follow you because you're an inspiration, especially to the younger generation that sees social media as a scary place. Because it's not it's not all that scary. We have people like you, Danae. Oh, gosh. <laughs> thank you so, so much. Honestly, I appreciate it. No, well, 
Well, thank you for having me. It was a, a real joy. Oh, bless you. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Battles. If you've been affected by anything you have heard in the show, you can find links to support services in the description. Please subscribe to the show and leave us a review too. It makes all the difference. Battles is a Studio 71 production and is hosted by me, Marlon Anderson. I'll see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.